Hello everybody, it's your favorite villain protagonist, Johnny Silvercloud, the analytical ocular, badass photographer, the downtown defenestrator, the white fragility eliminator, the soul brother number one of a kind, back with the microphone to smite you dome. Alright, so uh, let's get into the subject at hand for this uh, episode. So. Pertaining to the Will Smith event at the uh, Academy Awards, 94th Academy Awards, also known as Oscars, so there's been a whole lot of uh, things that took place thus far. I mean, Will Smith got punished, so to speak. Um, um, Chris Rock's still relatively silent, probably writing his jokes, you know, around it. Jada Pinkett is still considered a malignant narcissist. Everybody's looking at a. You know, the trauma of Will Smith and everybody's pointing to Jada Pickett's behavior concerning their marriage and decisions and red table and stuff. Don't seem like that slap uh, did a good job protecting her or shielding her from criticism. Yeah, I want to talk about the fact that there's a lot of black people who are, uh, I've seen one train of thought that it seems to call the event black culture as in Will Smith's assault on Chris Rock at the Caddy Awards was a form of blackness. Will Smith did, uh, he he did a very black act within um, white spaces, as in an unsanctioned black thing within white space. Now, when it comes to just the objective look, uh, I'll have to say that maybe that's kind of true. Uh, it still kind of sounds kind of weird, but the framing that Will Smith conducted black culture by assaulting a guy on stage. I, I really can't. And then defending that, I, I can't get with that. I, I can't wrap my head around defending an impulsive act. I, I just cannot. It's a very self-destructive, impulsive act. And then there's folks who are saying this is black culture. It's like trying to defend, a, you know, defend assaulting a literally proven defenseless black comedian on the stage <laughs> by putting the scenario in a, in a nice, nice form box called black culture as if uh, this position is now un- unimpeachable because this is black culture here. Will Smith slapping someone is black culture. I just, it seems really weird as if Will Smith had perfect validation of attacking Chris Rock over a perceived, perceived slight sitting here defending Will Smith attacking somebody off of a perceived slight. That's like saying, you know, it's it's similar to a nation attacking another nation off of bad intelligence, off of bad intel, and then calling it defending democracy. You know what I mean? It's just, it's kind of like that. Because feelings are nebulous. You can't just go around, you know, beating people up or hitting people off of your own feelings. You might feel completely different in a matter of seconds, you know, and then you feel like really bad because you did a very bad thing. It's just based on feelings though. Uh, mm. The problem I find with the logic of framing Will Smith's uh, event as, you know, his uh, actions and conduct and behavior as black culture is the fact that there's actually a bigger, more coherent black culture argument that can be made for the defense of Chris Rock's position. The black stand-up. Everyone knows that I'm a 20-year U.S. Army veteran. What people don't know is that I used to rap and make beats. 
which leads to the fact that I'm able to sound engineer this podcast very well because that was a part of uh because the beat making and sound engineering is a very transferable skill i have a, a a good amount of stage experience because of i was because of being a rapper you know um you know a hip-hop practitioner of sort of sort so i have a bit of stage experience um i was a rapper i mean albeit an unknown one but yeah, I did it, you know, rap and free, you know, I did that and made beats and shit, was on stage, rocking the mic. So, um, this is where my uh, experience comes from. And I did the stage thing so well that uh, in the army, um, for my free time, that by the time I, I, I made rank and got leadership uh, positioning and whatnot, I had like better public speaking skills and leadership command skills beyond my peers because I commanded, you know, the mic. I was I was in front of, you know, thousands of strangers and uh, keeping their spirits, you know, high and decent. So um, on top of that, as you know, as a sound engineer, you're telling people what to do. You're telling people to, um, you know, come back later or uh, redo their verse. It's like you have to be a strong leader to uh, sound engineer. So, you know, Beatsmith. So, so for those who enjoy my leadership in the army, you have hip hop to thank for. Anyway, the black comedian, let's uh let's call him a comic. All right. So I like to delineate a black comedian as a uh, comedian, as the comic actor and like in a movie and the comic is the stand up comic, the stand up comedian. So I'm going to more so talk about the comic here. So it's stand up. The black comic is very similar to the black rapper. I think it would be flawed to argue that the black people invented comedy as black people invented hip hop, but black people certainly have engineered a particular form of comedy that we see black comics perform today. And it is at this point, we find numerous commonalities between the hip hop vocalist and the black comic. I would argue that the spirit of hip hop exists in black comics that most white comics cannot emulate. I don't know if anyone made this correlation before, but Black stand-up got more radically brutal, you know, and found its prominence in the same time, in the same temporal space, the same time hip-hop was born. Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy, the 70s and 80s shifted things to what they look like today for black stand-up. It is at this point do the hip-hop MC and the black stand-up comic converge. The black stand-up is just as culturally significant as the black rapper. They are both MCs. Therefore, I vehemently argue that Richard Pryor, Red Fox, Eddie Murphy, Martin Lawrence, Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle, Cat Williams, Kevin Hart, Monique, Whoopi Goldberg, Wanda Sykes, Chris Tucker, Bernie Mac, Dick Gregory, D.L. Ugly, Mike Epps, John Witherspoon, Moms Maley, Rudy Ray Moore, and the entire Wayans bloodline are just as black culturally significant as Nas, Jay-Z, Rakim, MC Light, LL Cool J, Ice Cube, 50 Cent, Lauren Hill, Missy Elliott, Bone Thugs and Harmony, MC Shah Rock, Q-Tip, T.I., Master P, Lil Wayne, Kanye, Red Man, Method Man, Kendrick Lamar, Reza, Questlove, Andre 2000, Big Boy, Drake, Ice-T, Dre, Snoop Dogg, and more. It is, it is a bit absurd to not consider these details. Black comics are essentially hip-hop variants. Black comics are 
MCs. So if we are to herald the MC, the microphone, the microphone man is the uh, the master of ceremony as champions of, of black culture, of, you know, elements of fundamental elements of black culture. Same proves true for the black comic. The black comic is a part of black culture, a very significant part of black culture that matters plenty. Coming up as a black kid in the 90s, I can attest that uh, as a black boy, there's three things we're looking at as far as, uh, you know, rags to riches is uh, becoming a black athlete, a black rapper or black comic actor. Okay, so I'll I'll hybrid that one, the comic actor, black comedian. The comedian was always on the table for us as kids because we all thought we were funny. We all wanted to be funny. To some, it's really easy to make people laugh. To others, uh, athleticism was was their thing. Um, to the witty, the rapper was the outlet or goal. And if you're not rapping, uh, I would say that um, or freestyle or trying to get into music and expression, the fact that you maybe you are really good at writing, you're writing in a journal, you're writing short stories, that is also an element of the rap thing because you know you're you're writing, you're building stories and things like that. It's just that you just channeling that same uh experience that same talent into another means the way i figure this triumvirate is central to black boys and maybe even black girls if anything in life we kind of fall into a hard corner or somewhere in between all three of these the actor can be can also be athletic like will smith the athlete can also have uh you know the comic or actors showmanship my jack of all trades self uh, landed me in the U.S. Army recruiter's office because I was never that funny or that athletic. I was a jack of all three, master of none. So I found an outlet that magnified all three. Anyway, you slice it. The black comic was always an option for black people. The black comic was always there because black because the black comic is a strong part of black culture and black identity. Definitely more than attacking defenseless folks on stage. There is a such thing as a sad clown. I would argue that the crux of black comedy comes from pain and suffering. Most black comedians, namely all all of them that are funny, have a sad story of trauma, economic hardship, and abuse. There are numerous theories that suggest laughter is a psychological defense mechanism. I find their argumentation pretty sound. Part of laughter, comedy, it's a defense of dire situations. No one does it better than black people. The ability to laugh at our flaws is a superpower. The ability to laugh at our flaws is a superpower. We need to not take ourselves so seriously in the face of comedians. We, we have to have the ability to, make, to laugh at our flaws, laugh at our pain, laugh at our suffering. It is a way to, it is a means to to uh, gather ourselves before we make things better in life or cope with the issues. The funniest people are those who suffer the most. The more privileged you are, the less funny you are. (laughs) This is why black comedians joking about whiteness is infinitely 
far more funny than, you know, the reverse. This is also why rich comedians make jokes about family experiences, because that's where they always have relatable material for wide audiences. We all suffer family matters. It is always the funniest people who will suffer the most. But behind that smile and laugh is always sadness. Think about yourself. Think about your own, your own life. Think about your own life experiences. Think about the abuse that you have suffered yourself. Um, the dire situations you've been, economic hardship and strife. Think about these things. The funniest people are always those who suffer the most. I remember when I was a kid in uh, PG County High Schools in Maryland, um, always knew that the best class clown had more problems than I ever did. My defense mechanisms, I was a little bit funny, but my defense mechanisms were built on being a high empathetic person. So my social defense was body language reading um, the class clown, the genuine class clown, however, their social defense was comedy, making people laugh. If you can make the bully laugh, the bully will leave you alone. I was never that good enough to make, I was never that funny enough to make bullies laugh. So I, I had to fight them all. I had to fight, I had to fight my bullies like hand to hand. <laughs> I wish I was, I wish I was just funnier, man. Shit. So jealous. Anyway, the body reading thing is how I can clock the trauma of the best class clowns. Uh, I can gather what they are shouldering. I can't, it's not like mind reading. It's just that you just know someone is hurt because when you are empath, it's really easy to, you have a high empathy. It's really easy to feel other people's feelings. So, you know, it's, it's through that I was able to clock the fact that the best class clowns were shouldering a whole lot of uh, trauma and hardship. I would argue that proves true for anyone who becomes a stand-up comic. I remember I was in my 11th grade year. I bested this one class clown in history class in his own roasting game. He started at first, but I finished it. And uh, <laughs> I still feel bad, though. I pointed out that his, uh, he wanted to like mock me for being, like, I guess, smart or nerd, answering all the teacher's questions. And uh, I pointed out that his jacket has dirt around his, uh, his neck and collar and his sleeves. And I made the whole class laugh at his dirty clothes. Um, the cruel part is that intrinsically... I knew that his dirty clothes were an ind indicator of bad parenting or poor economic circumstances, which is why, you know, he shut, I shut him up. I shut him down. Um, I felt really bad because though I had my own problems, I felt like I was punching down, you know, but maybe he was punching down because I was the nerd dude, you know, it's very nebulous. The, the punching down thing within between black people is very nebulous. And I, I think that we can get into a, uh, a trauma Olympics, you know, an oppression Olympics, just talking about trying to validate who is morally right and who is morally correct or ethically correct when we're roasting each other as people. So I would suggest that it's best to learn how to laugh with the punches. Overall, there's multiple layers of trauma and strife that black kids go through that molds us into becoming the funniest comedic people. While a white kid can go through perpetual bullying, economic strife, or abusive households, and boy, white folks have some abusive households, 
the white American does not have, for example, the criminalization of their youth, which makes their kids, gives their kids no chance to make the mistake of childhood mischief, nor the sociological adultification, which removes all black children from their own childhood, subjecting them to adult level consequences. The white American never will deal with the grotesque measure of trauma black people deal with. That's why we're funny. And that's also why our jokes can be more cruel. Black folks comedy can be cruel because we, we come from a fundamentally cruel environment. America, white supremacy, is a cruel environment to black people. Any joke a black comic dishes out, however, will not be crueler than the white supremacist environment we exist in. Some jokes land, some jokes land good, and some jokes land bad, but they're still only jokes. I want to go over a couple of uh, culturally significant elements of black stand-up comedy that many people are neglecting to observe. So, in no particular order, actually, I like this order, so in order... Number one, if a black comedian is on stage, there is a high probability folk and audience will get roasted, period. If you show up at this event, you cannot get mad to the extent you get violent. Because if you're observing culture, black culture, then you should accept the roast. Number two, on stage, the lights are blinding because all the lights are facing the subject, the comic on stage. The comic will have a hard time seeing deep into the audience. So it stands to reason that if you, that they'll see you really well if you're in a front row seats. If you don't want to be roasted, don't sit close to the stage. Number three, if you or your folk in attendance really don't want to get roasted, or you or your folks in attendance are hypersensitive, don't show up at all. Do not show up to the comedy special. Stay your ass the fuck home. Watch it on TV. Number four, can you heckle? Yes. Can you physically assault? No. You can heckle a comedian. You can stand up, say, get get my wife's name out your mouth, or you're not funny, or you suck, or whatever else. What you cannot do is physically attack the black stand-up comic. Becoming the heckler at a stand-up comic event is brave. And it is an, it is an art form. But, however, pause for dramatic effect. Just know that the comic on stage always wins. And the show will go on. If the black comic is hired to hold a microphone at any time, comprehend the fact that their stage time functions as their show time and is their show until they are properly relieved of their duties. Black comic hosts are literally paid to roast event attendees by way of being a black comic on stage. This is black culture we're looking at. The variation in a ceremony event is the fact that named celebrities are on a known list Whereas in a regular comic show, front row attendees are mostly unknown. If you are an apex celebrity who might be nominated for a lifetime achievement award of some sort, yo ass will get roasted prior to the nomination event. Period. If you are a celebrity, you are fair game. Number six. (laughs) If you're a celebrity, you are fair game. If you have a celebrity spouse, then you are a celebrity pair, and celebrity pairs are fair game. Non-celebrity spouses are not fair game. Example, Will Smith, Jada Pinkett, that is celebrity pair. Um, Denzel Washington and his wife, that is not a celebrity pair. You notice how I don't even know the lady's name, Denzel's wife? 
yes, she's not a celebrity. So you can't act like Jada Pinkett Smith is like the same as any random wife. She ain't. That's another celebrity. It's a celebrity pair. So yes, celebrity pairs are fair game. Now, when it comes to children, I would I would argue that if they are uh, not 18, 21 years old and above, then they are off limits. If they are below 18, they're still kids, they are off limits. But by the time that Jaden and Willow Smith become 22, 24, 28 years old, you know, roast they ass too, especially if they're in attendance, acting a fool. Number seven, a black comic can either host an event or wage their own comedy special. Either way they appear, all principles above listed apply. This is black culture, y'all. Black culture is not beating people up. Black culture, an element of black culture is in fact that we saw that night is black comedy. So I really don't understand how a person can argue that attacking Will Smith, attacking Chris Rock is black culture, but Chris Rock, you know, being a black by way of being a stand-up comic is not black culture. I don't, I don't get that. I don't, I, I don't see that. I need help. Someone needs to help me um, understand a point. But here's the thing, though. There's no help for understanding that point because it's an indefensible argument. You know, defending senseless violence, an act on impulse, self-destructive act is an indefensible standpoint. So there you have it. It's, you cannot defend it. If anything, the only way to register Will Smith's impulsive violence is, uh, is to consider uh, Aaron Magruder's off of Boondocks fame a nigga moment. Let's quote uh, Uwe Freeman off Boondocks. A nigga moment is described as a violent altercation caused by ignorance overwhelming the logic of an otherwise rational Negro, Negro male, causing him to act in an illogical, self-destructive manner. This is off of uh, Boondocks. This is like an old uh, cartoon back in the early 2000s with that I wish still existed because there's so much stuff that Aaron Magruder can write about now. I swear to God, man, we need Aaron Magruder style social commentary mockery right now. When I first saw uh, Will Smith uh, slap Chris Rock, the first thing I thought was, damn, this is a real life boondocks episode. That's the first thing I, I, I don't see how anyone else cannot see that. If you, I mean, if you saw old cartoon, um, calling Will Smith's uh, black culture does not accurately describe what Will Smith did. A nigga moment does. So, yeah. Uh, so let's let's go through Yui Freeman's uh, description. Okay, a violent altercation. Check. Caused by ignorance, overwhelming logic. Check. In an otherwise rational black person. Check. Causing him to act in a lot act in an illogical. Check. Self-destructive. Wait. Check. Let's talk about Chris Rock, though. Um, do I do I agree that Chris Rock should have known better? Yeah. But still, it's only a weak-ass landing joke. Adding the fact that G.I. Jane is a strong female lead who challenged institutional toxic masculine power within the military, within, you know, tier one and tier two military units. Summoning her essence in a buzz cut is not an insult. I still agree that Chris Rock should have known better, not because he should know what alopecia is or the fact that she has alopecia aradia, but because he has a documentary on black woman's hair. I have not seen this documentary, but I will. because I need to see, you know, understand the point of context or maybe however flawed his point of context may have been. 
a lot of black women didn't like that comment to his, uh, his documentary and I need to find out why none of this shit warrants violence towards a black comic there's an element of black culture that Will Smith completely and utterly infringed on it is a fact that the black stand-up comic is built on taking pain problems and conflicts and making them funny taking offense of a joke however is subjective a comedian is not responsible for your feelings you are there are principles attending to attending an event with black comics on stage every black person should know uh i named them we laugh at our flaws so we can correct them later or deal with their existence in peace this part this is part of the black magic this part of magic black folks uh black folks comedy these are the reasons why even white comics attempt to attempt radical black comedy like Anthony Jeselnik. I find it a bit absurd to suggest that attacking a black comic on stage is black culture, but the comic on stage is not the greater part of black culture. I find I would use blind spot and uh, that reasoning there like a critical thinking drop. Black stand-up comedy is just as culturally significant as black music or black cuisine. Getting butthurt and attacking someone who's hired to roast people is not a pillar of black culture. Let's call nigga moments what they are. Nigga moments. Let's actually protect real elements of black culture. Black comedy, black music, black expression, movement, dance, black intellect, black cuisine, and black observation. Because if it's perfectly fine to act on impulse on top of the fact that we can't laugh at our flaws, we're doomed as black people. I'm going to bring this to a close. So with that being said, like, follow, and share, and check me out on Medium. The best way to support your boys is to sign up and subscribe to my photojournalism and critical analysis on Medium and the afro Folk online publication where you get to read a diverse set of intelligent black folk and more. Like, follow, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you go to listen. Join us as we fight white supremacy and support the black community through intellectual activism. Peace.